Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, it's January, and when you're in January, you often talk about New Year's resolutions. And uh, that's what we're doing here a little bit. But uh, this idea of New Year's resolutions are that you decide to take some type of action um, that you will then do that so that it will create a new habit in your life so that you'll, something better will come in your life. But for us, rather than talking about adding a whole other habit into your life, we've decided to take a different approach and look at the bad habits that are already in our lives and talking about, and we, we want to talk about eliminating them or at least reducing them greatly and, and, and almost eliminating them from our lives. So the whole goal would be to eliminate them from our lives. Now, oftentimes these bad habits we've said aren't just bad habits. Sometimes they're what the Bible calls sin. And sometimes we think, oh, well, these are acceptable. Our culture says, no, this is an acceptable thing to do. It's just what we do in our culture. Or sometimes we say, these are even necessary at times, but it doesn't mean they're acceptable in the eyes of God. And so that's why we are, we are really holding and hanging our hat on the scripture, the prayer that David prayed to God in Psalm 139 where David said, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and God, point out anything in me that offends you. So that's our prayer. Point out anything in that offends me, anything in me that offends you, God, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That you and I, we would purposefully and prayerfully constantly go before the Lord and say, God, is there anything in my life that's offending you? God, is there anything in my life that I might even think is acceptable, that I might even think is necessary at times? God, is any of that there? And God, point it out to me because I want to be right with you and I want to walk with you and I want to have the habits in my life that will honor you. So to introduce today's theme, I want to show you photos, uh, a couple photos from our family trip when we went to Monterey Pacific Grove um, back in 2019. And as you look at these uh, couple photos, you will notice there's something common other than it's beautiful out there. I love to go there. But about outside of that, everybody's smiling. And, and as you look at that, you would have this idea and think that it was an amazing trip. Just by seeing, hey, man, we're smiling. But I got to tell you, the reality is we griped and complained the whole time. And in fact, I had to go through a lot of pictures to find any pictures with us smiling. These were the only pictures where we were actually smiling. Well, what happened on this trip? Well, we were supposed to have a perfect VRBO rental. Anybody do VRBO, Airbnb, right? So you do those, right? And, and it was down in Pacific Grove, right next to Lover's Point. Lover's Point's this awesome little place right there at the beach, a little cove. Uh, I love that spot. I do a lot of sermon preparation there when I go uh, out there. I just love that place. And so we were just literally seconds away from Lover's Point. Or so we thought. It turns out our VRBO was a total bait and switch. And in reality, it was not at Lover's Point down there right by the beach. It was all the way back in in, in Monterey on Main Street. And so I want to show you the picture of our place. (laughs) Where it says tip and toe nail salon, our VRBO was above the nail salon next to a tattoo parlor and a self-service wash and dry place with trash cans everywhere in downtown Monterey. 
Now, if you've done VRBOs, you know that they, they'll oftentimes put that little circle, and sometimes they won't give the actual address, and they'll put a circle uh, there. Uh, and so uh, this place was not inside the circle. It was way outside of the circle. I called VRBO, went through the whole nightmare. We weren't going to stay in that place because I didn't want to risk not being able to get my money back or at least try to make an attempt to get my money back. So we're driving there, talking to VRBO, talking to them, trying to, like, this is ridiculous, and, and going through all that, and we're so upset, or at least I'm upset, and so we didn't stay there, and we're driving. We're like, well, we got to stay somewhere, but we might lose money on that. We might not get our money back. And so I was like, well, where's the cheapest hotel? So we found the cheapest place we could, some little ghetto motel where we stayed for our trip, knowing we might end up paying double for this trip, right? And so we got two little rooms, and we had planned, you know, VRBO, you're going to cook and all that because it's already a little expensive. As it is. We're going to cook and all this. And I'm like, we're not going out three meals a day for six days a week. So we go to Costco, and everybody's walking around going, Dad, we don't have a refrigerator. We don't have a freezer. We don't have a, we don't have a microwave. What are we going to buy? I said, we'll just buy a whole bunch of muffins, and we'll eat muffins all week long. <laughs> muffins and apples were what we ate that week. By the original photos, you would think we had a great trip. But it was nothing but complain, complain, complain. I'm just curious, have you ever been on some type of family vacation where complaining was kind of a big part of the trip? A bunch of you guys, remember we talked about lying last week, so thank you. <laughs> I, I'm not the only one who's been there. Today, I want to look at the very bad habit of complaining. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they had complained to God literally for hundreds of years. Some of you might know the story. God eventually intervenes and he does miracle after miracle. He sent miraculous plagues that, that he used to change Pharaoh's heart, to get him to ultimately eventually uh, uh, let the, the Israelites leave Egypt. God continued the miracles as he parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could pass through, and then as they passed through, even destroying and drowning Pharaoh's army. God then fed his people with, with um, bread from heaven. He fed his people from, or he gave them water from the rocks. The Bible talks about how their clothes and their shoes, they didn't even wear out. They were always like they were brand new. And what did God's people do when God continued to do miracle upon miracle? They just continued to gripe, grumble, and complain. They continued their bad habit of complaining that they had when they were in captivity. I want you to hear some of their complaining. They, they said this to Moses in Exodus 14. They said to Moses, Moses, was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? They're saying, Moses, we were so happy when we were slaves, and now you've brought us out to here to die. It's like they forgot. Wait a second. All you guys did was complain when you were in Egypt. Verse 12, didn't we say to you, Moses, in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Uh, you were complaining about serving the Egyptians and God not intervening. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You know, I read that and I think that sounds a lot like a lot of us. No matter what our circumstances are, we complain. But notice what Moses said about their complaining and what I would suggest about our complaining as well. Exodus chapter 16, Moses said to them, you are not grumbling, or some translations say complaining. You're not grumbling or complaining against us. Who are their complaints against? 
Who were they grumbling against? They were complaining against the who? Against the? Against the Lord. Listen, every time you grumble, gripe, or complain, you're not grumbling, griping, and complaining about the situation or the person. You're actually grumbling and griping and complaining against who? Against the Lord. Now today, I want you to hear today's message through the lens of your own complaining. I want you to ask yourself, what do I complain most about? I don't want you to view today's message through the lens of, oh, the person next to me, they better really hear this message. I don't want you to hear the message through the lens of, oh, I, this is going to be one of those messages i got to make sure I send to somebody. Now, I hope you do send it to somebody, and I hope you're always you know, passing messages along. But that's not the purpose this week. I want you to view it through the lens of, God, what is it that I complain about the most? Be honest about it. Let it rise to the surface. In fact, Psalm 139, what did David say? Point out, God, anything in me that offends you, right? So God, point it out. Show it to me. What is it that I complain about most? And if some of you are having a hard time figuring out what you complain about most, just ask somebody close to you. They'll tell you because they already know. What is it that you complain about most? Some of you you would say that, you know what I complain about most is I complain about the fact that I'm not married yet and I want to be married. And then you do get married and you start complaining about your spouse. <laughs> Maybe you complain because the money, the finances is so tight. The house is too small. The VRBO is over a nail salon. The boss drives you crazy. The meetings are insanely boring. The weather is too bad. The Wi-Fi is too slow. The line is too long. On and on and on we can go. Listen, the problem is not the people, the circumstance, the weather, the Wi-Fi, whatever the case may be. What's the problem? The root of the problem of our complaining the root of it is whenever we take our eyes off the goodness of God and seeing the goodness of God in our lives and focusing on ourselves. At the root of all of our complaining is not seeing God and his goodness in our lives. In fact, I would suggest to you this. It is very difficult to complain when you are praising God for who he is and his goodness in your life and the good things he does in your life. Would you agree with that? It's difficult to complain when you're praising God. Now, is there anybody in the Bible who, 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 you know, you read his story and go, he would have a good reason to complain. I would suggest the Apostle Paul, if anybody could complain, he was the one. Let me give you a little context. Paul's greatest dream, his vision, his desire was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. That's all he wanted to do. And, and he knew, he figured to himself, man, if I could get to the seat of power, if I could talk to the most important people, to the leaders, to the influencers, if I can get before them and preach the gospel, and if people will be saved who are, lead, who are leaders and who are in charge, then that would then be able to spread across the empire. Man, I could make a huge impact for God's kingdom if I could go to Rome and preach the gospel. But what happened to Paul instead? Instead, Paul was arrested, and he was sent to Rome as a prisoner, from a preacher to a prisoner. Not only that, he was in Rome as a prisoner, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, awaiting his possible execution, even though Paul never did anything wrong. 
Now, as a little bit of a side note, based on the moral trajectory that I think our country is headed, I could see a time when Christians are going to be locked up and in prison for demonstrating some type of Christian or moral type behavior. The reality is we've actually already started to see those kind of instances already. I, I don't know how much you pay attention to the news. Every once in a while, I come across these stories that are shocking to me. Just this last year, there have been Christians who have, who have been arrested, and they were arrested for literally praying silently in front of businesses in public places. That's happened in the United States and in the United Kingdom this last year. And Paul, he's in prison. Why? It's just because he was talking about Jesus. That's it. If I'm the Apostle Paul and I'm in prison, I'm tempted to complain. If I'm Paul, I'm saying, God, come on, God. All that I've done for you, and here I am. I'm sh I've been shipwrecked for my faith, for you. I've been beaten for you. I've been snake bitten. I've been left naked and cold. I've been left for dead at times. All I've done is serve you. God, you know all I want to do is go to Rome. I know how strategic that city is. I want to preach the gospel. I want to make a difference. And God, here you have me stuck in prison. That's what would be going through my mind if I'm talking to God about my circumstances. But instead of complaining, the Apostle Paul didn't go that route. Instead, he chose to uh, do a few things. One of the things he chose to do is write some letters. And he wrote, one of his letters that he wrote was to the Christians in Philippi. And while he's in this Roman prison, chained to Roman guards, he says this to the Christians in Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, he says this. He tells them, do everything without complaining, some translations say grumbling, do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? So that you, no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like, like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Paul says, hey Christians, Jesus followers, let's live differently. Let's look differently. Let's act differently. Let's live differently. And no matter what you do, whatever you do, wherever you are, do everything. Say the word everything. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. You see, grumbling and complaining, it is a very bad habit. It's a bad habit in the eyes of God. And now, there, there's a lot of spiritual reasons why Paul calls upon us not to grumble and complain, why he calls on us to live clean and innocent lives, which includes not grumbling and complaining. But, you know, there's practical reasons as well. For example, Dr. Travis Bradbury wrote the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Great book, incredible book. But he also does significant research on complaining, or has done research on complaining. And here's what he and others have discovered. He discovered that repeated complaining hardwires our brain to do what? Complain more. Literally hardwires our brain to complain more. In other words, the more you are negative, the more you complain, the easier it will be to continue to be negative and complain. You hardwire your brain into complain mode. 
He and others, they talk about, uh, and maybe you've heard the word before, confirmation bias. In other words, you expect something to be bad, therefore you will get what you expect. You interpret your circumstances based on your preconceived ideas. That's confirmation bias. In other words, if you expect the Dallas Cowboys to choke in the playoffs, (laughs) they will affirm your thinking every time. Lord God, remember your team. Congrats to all you 49ers fans. That was legit, I will say. So uh, good for you guys. That's great. That's just wonderful. (laughs) So let's say you walk into church. You have some type of bias, some type of preconceived idea, whether LifePoint or anywhere. And you walk in with this idea, "Ah, people aren't friendly. Ah, The music's going to be too this, too that, too loud, too soft. The music, they're not going to play songs I like. The preacher's going to be too this. Guess what will happen? You're going to go into church, and guess what you're going to find? People aren't friendly. The music's too loud. The this, the that, that's what you will find. Why? You'll find what you're looking for, confirmation bias. That's the problem, or that was the problem with the Israelites. They were negative when they were in captivity, and once they were freed, they were still negative. Why? Because their mindset had trained them so that they would continue to see negativity in whatever circumstances they found themselves in. Man, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life with the bias toward, to finding so, the bad in everything. I don't want to go through the bi- life with a bias to say, okay, something wrong is, is going to happen. What about you? Do you want to focus on the bad? On what's wrong? Or do you want to find what's good and helpful and hopeful and positive? Do you want today to be the best day ever? Today can be the best day ever. Tomorrow can be the best day ever. And on and on. Confirmation bias goes both ways. Now based on what we know from Paul's writings in the scripture, based on what we know about his story, see I could see Paul telling you and I Listen, if you can change your circumstances, if there's something out there that's negative and you can do something about it, by all means, go do something about it. If there's negative circumstances, if something is unpleasant, if something isn't right, if something isn't godly, go do something about it. Go for it. It's like Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Maybe you know the story. Nehemiah learned that the walls of Jerusalem had not been rebuilt. People were back in the land of of Israel and Jerusalem. They were neglecting the walls. And and you know what Nehemiah didn't do? He didn't complain. He didn't say, oh, those people back there, they're the worst ever. How could they be so lazy and complacent? How could they be so self-centered that they would not care for their city? Why are they not doing that? That's not what Nehemiah did. He was bothered by the fact that the walls weren't rebuilt. And so what did he do? He did something about it. He went back, and he left his position, and he went and rebuilt them. If there's something in, that you see that gives you a righteous, a righteous dissatisfaction, if you see something that gives you this holy discontent, man, don't join in with the other social media griping ch- Christians who are definitely not shining like bright stars. Don't join in with them and they're complaining. Step in and step up and do something about it. 
If there's a negative situation, if there's an immoral situation, if there's something that you can change, change it. Get involved and do something. And I know this, but there's many people here in our church, you're those people. You do something about it. You step in. And I praise God for you, that you look at things that aren't right, that are immoral, that are wrong, that are not helping us or helping our community or helping our state or our country, and you step in and you do something about it. Praise God. If you can do something about it, step in and do something. But Paul would also say, if you can't change your circumstances, you got to change your perspective. Everybody say the word perspective. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. You know what that means? It means change what you say. Change how you think about it. Change how you see your circumstances. Let's go back to Paul when he's in prison. His dream was to preach the gospel. And yet he's found himself locked up in prison, chained to a Roman soldier. He couldn't change his circumstances. So what does Paul decide to do? I'm going to change my perspective. And so Paul says this to the Philippians. Again, he's writing while he's in prison. He chooses to write to others. And he says to them in Philippians 2, he says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad. And I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, I'm still glad and I rejoice. Now we hear that passage and, and some ideas come into mind of what is it, you know, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. What does that even mean? That phrase, being poured out like a drink offering, all those words is actually one word in Greek. It's the Greek word spendo. Everybody say spendo. Spendo. Say it again. Spendo. What is spendo? Well, spendo was, and they would have understood it well, spendo was when a priest would go make a sacrifice before God. They would take the animal, they would place it on the fire. As the fire was raging and and consuming that sacrifice, they would then take this expensive mixture or drink, and they would take that drink and they would pour that on the burning sacrifice. Anytime you take liquid and pour it on something that's burning, what, what comes up? Smoke, right? So the smoke comes up, and it was this image, it was this idea of the smoke rising to heaven. It was the idea, spendo, referred to this, this, this offering that you made to God, this sacrifice that you made to God. So when Paul said, I am being poured out like a drink offering, like a sacrifice, like an offering to God, what do we usually think when we read that passage, if you've read it before? We often think, wow, Paul's talking about martyrdom. Paul is talking about sacrificing his life. I'm willing to give my life for God. I'm willing to die for for my faith. It's an offering to God. It's the animal sacrifice. But here's what's interesting. Paul knew what he was doing when he wrote this. The word spendo is here in this passage is a passive present tense verb. Passive present tense verb. All my teachers, help me out. What does that mean? Present tense verb. In other words, Paul being poured out refers to the what? To the present. Not to what could happen one day. 
The sacrifice that Paul's talking about is not that he would sacrifice his life in the future one day as a martyr. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about, oh, one day I'm going to give my life for Jesus. No, no, no. What is he talking about? His life right now, today, in the present. And Paul says, is saying, my daily life is an offering, is a sacrifice to God. It's why Paul could go on in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and he say, tells you and I to offer our bodies as a living. Everybody say living. As a living, not a dying not a, I will die one day. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And when you and I do that, Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. Paul says to you and I, this is how we worship God. Worship isn't just lifting up our hearts and songs and hands and arms to the Lord, though that's part of it. Worship is you and I, every single day, offering our life Wherever we are, whatever our circumstances are, even chained to a Roman prisoner or a Roman guard, offering our life daily as an offering, a sacrifice to God. No matter our circumstances, you and I can have the right perspective. We can have a godly perspective. We can offer our life, our perspective, our attitude, our words, what we think about, what we choose to listen to, what we choose to look at. We can offer that to God every day as an act of worship. Each and every day. Spendo, living as a daily offering, a daily sacrifice to God. Spendo, say the word spendo. I don't want you to forget it, maybe jot it down somewhere. Spendo, daily sacrifice to God. Paul takes a negative circumstances, circumstance that he finds himself in. He changes his perspective about it. He doesn't gripe. He doesn't complain. He doesn't grumble. And he doesn't do that, I, I would suspect, because he knows he's not at the center of his story. He knows that Jesus is at the center of his story. And when Jesus is at the center of your story, it, it enables you to see how God can use your circumstances for his glory and his kingdom work. When Jesus is the center of your life, not yourself, it enables you, when you have that perspective, it enables you to see what God wants to do in your life for his good purposes. It's why Paul was able to say to the Philippians in chapter 1, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul's in prison, chained to a soldier. He's not griping. He's not complaining. He can see the power and the goodness of God in his prison ship, if you will. He can see God working in his life. What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. I would suggest to you this. If you can't see the power of God in your life, if you have a hard time seeing the goodness of God working in your life, chances are there's a whole, the bad habit of complaining and griping and grumbling is a big part of your life. If you can't see God's good purposes in your life, then the chances are the bad habit of griping, grumbling, and complaining is a part of your life. There is no spendo. 
There is no living as a daily sacrifice, as an offering with your life to God. That's your, that's your act of worship, Paul said. That's not there. Man, your life, my life, our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. You want to change your life? Change your perspective, Paul says. Change your perspective, spendo. Choose to live daily as an offering, as a sacrifice to God. And because Paul did that, because that was Paul's attitude, Paul was able to, uh, it enabled him to maximize and leverage his circumstances for God. Paul said in verse 12, Philippians chapter 1, what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel, and so as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard In other words, all these soldiers, they know it. And it's become clear to everyone else. Everyone else knows it. What do they know? They know, Paul says, that I am in chains because I'm a criminal. Is that what he said? He didn't do anything wrong. He said, I'm in chains. What? For who? For Christ. The only reason I'm here is because I follow Jesus Christ. Paul changed his perspective about being in prison. He's not complaining. Instead, he's saying, you know what? Who do you think the real prisoner is here? You think I'm the real prisoner? Man, I'm chained every day uh, to a Roman soldier for eight hours for his shift. Who's the real prisoner? Man, I came to Rome to preach Jesus. All right, well, if I can't do it out there, I got a Roman soldier right here, and I'll have another one in eight hours and another one after that. And so that Roman soldier, you know what? He had to listen to an eight-hour sermon whether he wanted to or not. Who's the real prisoner? Don't you have friends that you try to talk about Jesus, and after talking about Jesus for 30 seconds, they're like, leave me alone? (laughs) Eight hours? Day after day? Paul changed his perspective. And he says, God's using this to advance his gospel. Sure, Paul said, it wasn't my plan, Paul says. Sure, I wouldn't have chosen this. But since I can't change my circumstances, Paul says, I'm changing my perspective. Paul says, I know, Romans 8, that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Paul says, I see God moving and working and acting. I see that God has a plan for me in my circumstances. I see that God has a purpose for me in the midst of my circumstances. God has an assignment for me in my circumstances. What is God's purpose for you in your circumstances? What is God's assignment for you in your circumstances? No matter what they are. Paul was chained to a Roman soldier. What about you? What do you find yourself chained to? Don't say your spouse, by the way. Wouldn't be a good answer. But seriously, what are you chained to? Maybe it is a painful relationship of sorts. Maybe there's a job situation and you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're chained to a financial circumstance or situation and the hole is so deep you don't know where up is. Maybe it's a health issue. 
Maybe your house is flooded. Maybe the trees are fallen. Maybe uh, the relationships have soured. Whatever the case may be, the list can go on and on. Remember, if you can do something about it, definitely go do something about it. If you can pray, pray. If you can work hard, work hard. Public alerts going off. Try to silence your phones real quick, everybody. Thank you. If you can work hard, work hard. If you can change, then change. If you can do something, do something. If you can seek help, seek help. If you can get wisdom, by all means, go get wisdom. If you can turn over a new leaf, turn over a new leaf. If you can do something about it, go do something about it. But regardless of whether or not you can do something about the circumstances, you know what you can always change? You can always change your perspective. You can always change the way you look at it. You can always change the way you think about it. You can always change the words that you speak about it. Exodus 16, you're not grumbling or complaining against us. You're complaining against God. Rather than complain about something you cannot change, choose to see God's presence and choose to see God's power even in the middle of something you would never wish upon yourself or anybody else. What are you chained to? What are you tempted to gripe and grumble and complain about? What is it for you? You can, with the power of God, change the way you look at it. You may not be able to do anything about the circumstance, but you could choose to look to find God in the circumstance. You can choose the way you speak about it. You could choose the way you're going to represent God in the middle of your circumstance. You might find yourself saying, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. But God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to move. I want you to do something in me. You can choose to say, God, I want my prayer life to grow more than it ever has in the midst of these circumstances. God, I want my reliance and dependence upon you to grow more than it ever has because of my circumstances. God, I want you to use what I'm going through to draw me into an intimate relationship with you. Then one day, I might have a little more compassion upon somebody who's going through what I went through years ago. And because, God, I changed my perspective and I leaned into you and I trusted you and I pressed into you because I did that, God, and I came out on the other end, God, Use me now to be a blessing to somebody else who's going through what I went through. You can change your perspective. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians, whatever happens, give thanks, for it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. Whatever. Whatever's happening, whatever the circumstances, don't grumble, don't gripe, don't complain, give thanks. That's God's will for you and I. You ever want to know God's will? Don't grumble, don't complain give thanks. David went on to say in Psalm chapter 103, he said, "All let all that I am praise the Lord. You know, we started this morning with the worship song, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. What did I say in the beginning? The root of our complaining is We lose sight of God's goodness and God's goodness in our lives. That's why David said, may I never forget the good things he does for me. So that's how Paul 
whose dream was to go preach the gospel in Rome, found himself to be a prisoner, but said, I'm going to preach anyway. And so he says to you and I, you too can do everything without grumbling and complaining. And in fact, if you do that and you shine as stars, God will use it to advance his gospel. So what is it going to be for you? You want to shed, eliminate, get rid of the bad habit of complaining? That's what God's will is for you. And to step into his purposes for your life and to see his goodness in whatever you are going through and give thanks to him and praise him and let him use it for his glory to advance the gospel. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.